in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And this is a really big show. Uh, my studio audience, those listening remotely, you guys are in for a treat. Uh, tonight on the show, we have someone with actual real talent. Um, I, uh, I moved, just a, a background of, of how I met this person, uh, I moved out of my house of 20 years in Maine and temporarily moved to Newburyport, Massachusetts um, last, geez, I guess it was the summer of 2019 or the fall of 2019. And uh, shortly after that, I uh, had an interest in, in just seeing what I could do with my time. Um, and I looked up online, did a Google search for improv classes, and I found this cool little place in Newburyport, Massachusetts called The Actor Studio. And um, I noticed they were they offered an improv class, so I signed up, didn't know what I was going to get into. And, um, and that was about uh, just a little over a year ago. And uh, I've been taking improv classes from my guest since then. And... To say that that was a, a life-changing experience would be accurate. Um, I've learned a lot from him. He's given me a true appreciation for not just improv, but uh, working collaboratively, you know, on something that is expressive. Um, and it's one of the highlights. It's been one of the highlights, certainly, of this weird time that we're going through with, with COVID. So please uh, welcome to the No Outlet podcast my improv professor, Charles Van Emmen. Charles, how are you? I am well, Ethan. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. All right, so my pleasure, and I, I thank you for being on the show. Uh, so we're going to play a game called 20 Questions, and it always starts mm -hmm. the exact same way, and that's with question number one. Uh, question number one, do you believe in fate? Uh, I do. I do. Yeah, I think sometimes people can uh, can help you know make their own fate mm -hmm. by decisions that they make, and I've often said that you know a person's life consists of yes and no responses. You know, if you say yep. yes, your life kind of goes one way. If you say no, your life goes a different way. So yeah, yeah. so somewhat deterministic then. Like it, you you have a course that could be, but by making different right. decisions, you kind of choose your own fate. I do. I think I think we're 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 we're, we're co-creators in our in our lives. I like um, that. All right, that's a good answer. All right, so we're off to a good start. Second question: uh, You have lived. Obviously, you're living on the East Coast now, and you've lived other places, mm -hmm. and you've lived on the West Coast. So, um, what's the biggest difference um, between living on the East Coast and living on the West Coast? Um. <clears throat> Well, I lived in Los Angeles. I'm certainly warmer there <laughs> yeah. this time of year. Uh, I do every once in a while, particularly in the month of February. Um, I miss some some sunny days. Yeah. Uh, but um, there, there's a you know the east the, the west coast has a uh, has a little different style, a little more relaxed style. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess L LA in particular. I guess I'm talking about. Yep. Um, uh, and I think you know. There is a little on the East Coast, you know, in New England in particular, there's that, there's that New England, um, you know, people are a little more private, a little more. Um, <laughs> We're a know. bunch of dicks, Charlie. We're a bunch of dicks. No, 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 no. No, just that Yankee, that Yankee thing. And, and in the West Coast, I think, um, you know, and again, this is, 
you know, Los Angeles that I'm mainly referring to. It's, it's a little more, a little open, a little, but sometimes with that openness comes a, you know, a fake, a, a less than genuine, um, uh, you know, quality as well. Sure. You, know, you get a little overtly friendly, but is it, is it real kind of a feel? Yeah, that's funny you mentioned that. So I worked for a company going years back, and one of the women that worked for me was from L.A. We went out there mm -hmm. for a business trip. We went and met some of her, uh, some of her old friends, and they were all so nice. And I was just like, "Wow, what a nice group of people!" And she's like, "No, they're all just trying to get something," you know. So, <laughs> so I was just like, "Oh, okay, uh, yeah." Well, but yeah. I mean, that's that's. I think that's probably true. Unfortunately, to a certain extent, no matter where you live. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, people are, are generally, uh, you know, generally after something. That's right. That's I, when, right. When, I teach, when I teach acting classes, I always, I always say that, you know, in real life, people are talking to each other and in conversations, they're generally, you know, after something, whether it be to, you know, impress someone or get someone to love them or, you know, make someone feel good about either them or themselves, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think people everywhere, it's a human, human thing. It's a human trait. <laughs> I agree with that. So uh, obviously you, you mentioned you also teach acting in addition to teaching improv and, and scene uh, study in a lot mm -hmm. of different classes. And that's because uh, you have a background and you are continuing to be an actor. So I'm curious as a, as a starting point here to talk about acting, how did you, how did you get into acting? Um... Well, I had I had done a couple uh, plays when I was a, a little kid, like in grade school, like maybe fifth, sixth, seventh grade, maybe I think it was. Uh -huh. My mother was involved in local theater. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and and you know they always needed kids for the the crowds and stuff. And so she would she worked backstage, you know, doing props and things like that for the local theater. And so she recruited me, my sisters and I, into uh, <laughs> into into being in these shows, and it was. It was really a lot of fun. One in particular, I remember I was a little kid in Music Man. Oh, yeah. Was in it too. And I remember when it was, and it, got, it was really kind of a remarkable uh, production. It was really quite good. The guy looked a lot like Robert Preston and yeah. who, had, who had Broadway lead. And, and, and it was really, it was really a moving experience. And, and what I loved most was the sense of community and the sense of teamwork. Yeah. And I remember when it was over, I like, I was a little, I bawled. I was, I was so sad it was over. Because it was right. so much fun, and it was such a, you know, it's a big cast of people and all these interesting, uh, different kinds of people that I had been exposed to before, and then uh, so that was like an early experience. Then I never did anything, any theater through high school or college. Yep. And then when and then when I graduated, or the year before I graduated, I was on a, on a summer internship job down in Florida, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, this light bulb just clicked on. I said, I'm a creative person. I'm not a business person like all the other men. Family. Hmm. I'm I'm this other thing, you know. Right. What do I do with this other thing? And that's when I decided to become an actor. And I went to the local library and uh, and took out all these uh, books on Stanislavski, and I outlined all these books while I was still down in Florida, and uh, and went scuba diving and all these other things. And then I dropped out of college for a couple. We were on trimester, so I dropped off the fall and winter term, and mm -hmm. went back and worked. Uh, some restaurant back in Pittsburgh, and then I went back to college and finished up uh, my degree in business while taking theater classes. Yep. So I was trying to satisfy both sides of my personality. Yeah. That's cool. So and, and so and then, you and then after I graduated, I moved out 
and, and pursued it professionally out there. That's awesome. Well, you were smart. I mean, I think very wise move to get your degree. I think a lot of people in that exact same position probably wouldn't or didn't, you know, do that part of it. So that that's well, yeah, that's awesome. That was that was an accomplishment. I wanted. You know, I was already. You know, it was it was it was my junior year after my junior year when I decided. So I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to change majors and you know do another two years or whatever? So right. I finished up and got it. And you know, business is always you know, it's, it, it was brutal because it was you know I'm not a numbers guy, so I'm slogging through these statistics courses and accounting courses and you know, right. all the stuff that was so not fun or interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, it does give you a discipline and an understanding for things you know, when it comes to business stuff later on. So yeah, absolutely. It wasn't without its value. There you go. Yeah. Music man. That was the first musical that I ever saw. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this is so organ. I just remember thinking it's so organized. Like, and, and that's, and that's one of, you know, the, that song, uh, we got trouble right here in river city. Right, like right. that, that song, you know, even though I only, I've only seen the show a couple times and it was a million years ago. It's like that song I could probably still, uh, not very well, but I could belt it out right now if, if necessary. So it, it leaves an impact, I guess is my point. It leaves yeah, an impact. It was, it was a fun show. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just really interesting to be around all those different interesting creative people yeah that's cool so you and you've also um you've done some writing as well and and you were and if i if i get this wrong just correct me but you were involved in uh in taking a lot of the work of louis lamore who is a, a western writer if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. um yeah. and, and adapting them and and kind of bringing them into a, a, a more of a book form about about the man is that close uh, yeah, that is close. Yes, he's 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 primarily known as a Western writer, but he actually early on in his career he wrote a ton of detective stories and murder mystery and war stories. He was one of these guys back in the day, you know, these pop pop uh, uh, fiction writers. They this they just ground out these stories and sold them to all these uh, magazines back in the day that would publish fiction. And they don't you know there's not many magazines that publish short fiction anymore right and but back in the day these guys would just crank them out and they would make a living but but it was a matter of you know quantity you know not always quality but quantity because you know they got paid per story sure and so that's how that's how louis started out and uh and um you know then he then he kind of got by bantam books his publisher he kind of got invited into to be the western guy abandonment he just that's what he kind of focused on yeah 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 that that and, and i would adapt his i would adapt his short stories into what were essentially like radio dramas so okay they were audio audio they weren't it wasn't somebody reading the story it was it was actual actors playing the characters with sound effects guys doing the sound effects and so i wrote uh, uh i adapted a bunch of his uh his short stories into that format oh that's so cool my so my mother uh grew up she, they, they had a TV, but not the whole time she was growing up. And even when they did, they were radio programs. And sure. some of her, her favorite memories of growing up were listening to radio programs, Western specifically radio programs with her, with her dad. And, they, and she said they would get right into it. It would like, you know, you could paint a picture in your, in your mind because the sound effects were so realistic um, right. that she said even when they got a TV, sometimes she would opt for listening to the radio instead. Which I was yeah, thought was yeah, interesting. It, it really it invites it invites your uh, your imagination, and and from a writing point of view, uh, it was it, it's, it was a really interesting exercise 
I'd written some, um, I actually got the job because I, I wrote this screenplay and submitted it uh, as like kind of a writing sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, but it's very different writing for the ear rather than, rather than for a visual. So um, true. And you, and, and you have to, it's just a different way of writing, you know? Um, and so that was an interesting challenge when I was working on those many, many years ago. Oh, that's cool. Um, all right. So in your, in your whole life here, have you ever been a, a, a cigarette smoker? Uh, no, fortunately, you know, back in both my parents smoked a lot. And, uh, yeah. I think in high school, you know, you'd go out drinking beer with your buddies and, you know, I'd smoke a couple of cigarettes, but I never really seriously got addicted, thankfully. Yep. That's good. That's uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where there's never anything good that comes out of it for sure. No, I saw, you know, I saw the end of, particularly the end of my, my mother never seemed to really have gotten affected by it. And she smoked probably more than my father for longer than my father. And I'm like, she's like, the, she's like a tank. Nothing slows her down. Yeah, something eventually did slow her down, but it wasn't the cigarettes. Gotcha. But, but my dad, but my dad, at the end of his life, his cigarette smoking uh, was 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 a, uh, not a pleasant. Uh, uh, yeah, he had health issues because of that. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. I've seen the same thing. That's no fun. Um, all right. So of all the cl- so you uh, again you you're uh, uh, at the Newburyport Actors Studio and you and you guys yeah. offer a, a whole wide range of not only shows. But also, you teach a lot of classes. That's all changed in terms of how you do it. It's all through Zoom now. But you guys have done a really nice job transitioning over. Um, you know, so of all the classes that you teach now or have taught before, um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite class that you've taught? Well, I, I love teaching the improv class, and there's this one guy that's in the class. <laughs> He is so immensely talented. Just working with him has elevated me to a to another level. Okay, now I know you. Now I know you're full of bullshit here. Let's go. <laughs> That's not true. No, I, I do. I do love the improv though because it, it is fun. It is a lot of fun. yeah. Um, and and you know to have have some giggles, particularly during these strange COVID days. Yeah, it's really it's very gratifying to to know that you're. You're bringing some lightness and some laughter into people's lives. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I like that. I, I like you know the, all the different classes that that I teach um, have. You know, there's different rewards to each of them, and there's different challenges to each of them, and so it's a, it's a nice. It's an. I'm very fortunate to have the ability, or you know, to uh, to be able to teach different kinds of stuff. Yeah. No, and I know that. Uh, I, I won't say her name on on this program, but one of the women that's in our class also does a scene studies class. A few of them actually, and mm-hmm. and they seem to love it. So it's um it's so cool that there's a there's really I mean you guys are kind of singular. There really isn't anything else. Even in Portsmouth, you go to Portsmouth, which is supposed to be a very and is in a lot of ways like an artistic town. There really isn't anything like what you guys have. Um, so again, I, I think everything happens for a reason. And not to get too philosophical here, but you know, the, the fact that just to give some more detail to how I wound up in Newburyport, my girlfriend's best friend's mother just happened to have a place in Newburyport that was going to be open for the winter. So the, the, the fact that I was there led me to look for a place and you guys are right down the street. And, and honestly, like being a part of your class and, and, and really everyone that's meeting all the people, it's been an absolute uh, godsend. It really has been great. Uh, yeah. Great. Well, I, I... I'm so happy. That's that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and Mark Clopton, who's the executive director at the Actors Studio, uh, is a terrific creative force. He's been there for 
is it 28 years now, 29 years now? Wow. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the early, the early nineties, he, he, he got started up there. So do the math. I don't know how long that is, but, uh, long enough. But yeah, he, he has, he has brought a lot of, uh, creativity and, um, heart to the community. Yeah. No. With, with the work he, 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 he did and does continues to do. Yeah. No, I'm with that. I really appreciate the work that you guys do down there. Hey, so you guys, so you've done, you personally, you've coached, you've acted, you've done some writing. So just narrow down on acting and writing. Out of mm-hmm. those two pursuits, which one do you enjoy the most? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I really do love the, 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 the rhythm of writing. I get up and I write every morning. I'm working on it another novel now and uh i love the rhythm of writing um i do uh but um you know and, and so i have no problem you know a lot of people have a hard time getting their butts in the seat and you know and, and, and that alone time can make a lot of people crazy i really uh have always enjoyed that uh but i also love the the fun and really the camaraderie of working in a play with people or you know if it's a tv show or something like that yep film um i love that sense of uh partnership that you that you build with it with a, with your fellow castmates and crew members and stuff like that yeah and you get and it's like you know and you know there's nothing i was talking about this the other day there's you know they've done studies and and they've likened the stress that actors experience on the opening night of a play to to that of someone in battle i don't know if that's literally true right but, right but that sense of okay here we go. It's for the people, you know, there's people out there in the dark, you know, and everybody's nerves are twanging a mile a minute. There's no turning back. You're right. And you serve up, you serve up an experience to people. And it's really, a, it's, it's, you know, it's an honor and a a great thrill to be able to do that. So, so so yeah, I I like them both. I I like them both. All right. Um, Hey, what's the best concert that you've ever attended? Like a music concert specifically. You know, it's so funny that you asked that. I was today, and this is a concert that I wasn't at, that I wish it was at, and then I'll answer your question. Sure. I was doing some cooking. I was making some sweet potato chili this morning. Yum. And so I just started yelling out to Alexa to put on some, to play some different songs. I just was firing out favorite songs. And then one of my favorite albums from back in the day, I went to school in Michigan. I'm not from Michigan, but I went to school in Michigan. And Bob Seger... Back in like '75 in Detroit, he recorded an album called uh, uh, "Live Bullet." Yep. And that is such an amazingly, and I hadn't listened to it in a minute. I listened to it a lot, but it'd been a while. Uh, and ah, oh, it was just great. Yeah. I'm dancing around the kitchen making my sweet potato chili. But the best, one of the best concerts that I've been to, that I was at, and this was not be eh, a couple years before I left LA. I went to uh, a friend of mine was working security for. Uh, the band live sure i know live yeah and, and it was at the it was at the greek theater which is an outdoor amphitheater it was a beautiful night and it was uh live opening for counting crows wow who i who i liked a lot and and tom got us right there in the uh you know the, the mosh pit which wasn't crowded at all so we were right next to the stage and and both those bands were incredible that night and yeah yeah, that was that was a pretty pretty fine night, I have to say. So was that when had so had obviously if Counting Crows has lies op- live opening for them, then obviously Mr. Jones was out and they had oh, already yeah. kind of made it big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they'd already yeah. This would have been in the 
and and knock me out and the Baywatch team rescues me and and saves me oh my god and, and so we shoot the exteriors outside you know along the and, and this is like in December I think it was the last episode of the season it's the water is really really cold but I was in a wet wetsuit because we were supposed to be snorkeling or something so it was fine but then we shot the actual underwater footage of me looking for the ring in a big tank on their set. Mm-hmm. And so here's a cameraman uh, it, with tanks underwater filming me, and they have a big fire hose in the tank to create the surge. You know, so they're blasting me with water from this fire hose. And I was getting to have my sea hunt uh, uh, <laughs> underwater shooting experience. <laughs> That's awesome. And they had, they had a regulator draped in the water, so I would just re- go over and take a breath when I needed it. Yeah. And then, and then it would be out of frame whenever they were shooting the shot. Oh, and, my and God. Pamela Sue Anderson came and, and squatted at the edge of the pool when I was shooting, so I got to shot the hair. <laughs> and so overall, it really was not a terrible day. No. You, know, you kidding I got, me? I got, to, I got to chat with her, and I got to uh, relive my – or not relive, but live out of a childhood fantasy of doing some underwater filming. I mean, Baywatch itself is a cultural touchstone. There's no doubt about it. And the Hoff and Pam Anderson, for some similar, some different reasons, are both cultural icons as well. Um, So I would say that's a pretty that's a pretty good day right there. It really wasn't. It really wasn't bad. Yeah, that's (laughs) awesome. Um, All right. So do you I think you already answered this, but I want to I want to put a fine point on it. So you've done, obviously, like you just mentioned, uh, something like Baywatch, where it's it's taped and then it's broadcast later and you've been in movies, but you've also done uh, live theater. So it, it be, between live theater and taping in a studio or on location, what do you prefer? Um, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of walk this line because they both offer really fascinating challenges to me. Okay. Live theater is you, you, you memorize a whole play which isn't always easy to do. You have, you've, got, you've got blocking, you've got light cues, you've got um, you know, you know, scene changes, all this stuff. Right. And, and there's people in the seats. And once the curtain goes up, it's the actor's show. Not, you know, there's no take two, there's no take three. Yeah. It's like you come up with the goods. And if one of, your, uh, uh, one of your fellow players goes up on a line and forgets their line, or you do, you're there for each other and you save the day or not. Right. And you do the best you can. And, and those are all exhilarating. And then the applause and the laughter, it's just thrilling. Yeah. And then the other side of it is, is film acting, where you have the technical challenges and the intimacy of film acting is, uh, is, is really a beautiful challenge to get to. Because to, the camera sees everything. The camera can see what you're thinking. Yeah. And to make – and to get – so concentrated and so available to be seen um, uh, by a camera is really an interesting uh, psychological and technical challenge too. So, um, but the, you know that said, there, there's nothing better than having a you know a great live performance in the theater, and 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 and, and you know at the end of the show, you and all your castmates are. You know, you just know it. You felt it. You, you felt it with the audience because there's a there's a reciprocity there between, you know, the the cast and the audience. And and you you just go, man, we just had a night. 
Right. And, 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 and there's, that's quite a, that's quite a buzz, you know, that's pretty cool. I, you know, and I never really considered what you just said makes a lot of sense in terms of when you're filming in front of a camera, you know, there, there's no place to, I always I just assumed that being a live actor was more difficult, more challenging. You need more skill, but, but you just pointed something out that I hadn't even thought about, which is when the camera's on you, it's like, it's on you and it, it's tight and it's close. And there is, you know, sometimes not an ensemble as when you're on like the stage. So there's there's no way to hide when you're not giving it your all when you're on camera. That's really interesting. Yeah, and, and the editor will cut away from you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Or or you he'll wind say, up on the floor, right? Yeah, he'll look at your performance. And go, he's got nothing going on, so we're going to stay on the other guy for most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, Next. So. Do the ends justify the means? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I, so I asked. That's one of the questions that I like to ask as many people as I can. And so far, it's been mostly no's with a couple of asterisks next to it uh, and one hard yes. And the one hard yes, and I think it's tricky because you could use the example of, you know, baby Hitler. That's always the one that everybody uses. Right. Right. And that but that's such an extreme, unique, one off outlier of an example that I don't think it I don't think it's fair to try to prove a point whether they do or they don't. I think in a general sense, the question's much more about everyday life and, you know, what choices you make to be a good person and to help people around you. So I'm with you that in a in a general sense, barring any weird outliers, they don't they do not justify the means. I would agree. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I, I mean, like with anything, you can find circumstances that will go against, you know, some sort of moral rule or code. Right. But, um, you know, and we've seen some, you know, in recent years, you know, in, you know, politically and, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, and, you know, hopefully we learn from them and, and, and make things better as yeah. we go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're going to flip things around. Instead of talking about you as a creator, we're going to talk about you as a consumer of content. So right now, I'm not talking about all time, but right now, what is your favorite TV show? Uh, Right now, um, there's just, I mean, we are in such a golden age of television. There's just so much. When I first started out as an actor back in like 1980s when I moved to LA, uh, you know, there was like ABC, NBC, CBS, and you know, whatever, right. maybe HBO back then. I don't even know if HBO was around then. And so there was just so much less stuff in it, and it was just so not as good. Um, right now, I'm currently watching it. I think it's been over for a while. I'm watching uh, Peaky Blinders. I'm in like the third season of that. Or something. Oh, that's good stuff. I'm I'm it's, up to date on that. Terrific. Yeah. But we wa- we watched. Um, uh, there's a new show called uh, The Great. And it's a very sexy, funny story uh, about Catherine the Great. Okay. I thought, I thought that was exceptionally well done and well acted. Um, uh, we had fun when COVID first hit. We watched all nine seasons of uh, The Office, which I had never seen before. Yes. I think I had tried watching it once early on, and it just really, you know, the humor didn't really work for me. But this time, oh, my God, I, I so enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I, so good. I mean, and, and they really, I mean, even after, 
you can make an argument that they lost their way a little bit season eight, season nine, but that happens. You get to eight or nine seasons of anything, and it's going to be tough to recreate the magic from the from the beginning. But boy, when they were on, there there might not have been anything funnier on TV. It was it was really well done. Yeah, it was uh, great. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of what else we uh, what I'm what else I've watched lately. Uh, the great. Um, have I you seen a lot of stuff? Have you seen Ozark? Uh, I, I started that and it was, it, it was a little like the first, I think the first episode, like some people get like shot in the back of the head and I'm like, you know, this is a little, this is a little violent. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's definitely, it can be dark. It can be dark. Uh, there, there's definitely some redeeming value to it, but, but for sure it's, it's not always a pretty picture. Yeah. Oh, but yeah it's good. I, I love that Jason Bateman was the, uh, you know, the creator and, and I think he directed a lot of episodes or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I love mean, when, I love when actors step up and, and take on new new and different roles. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, that, that said, I, I watched the Vikings on the History Channel, you know, talk about violence. Yeah. <clears throat> what a story there. All right. So I've got to ask this question on behalf uh, of my father as well. So when, when he was uh, such a, a great influencer as far as what I thought was cool in terms of music and movie and TVs and I remember when I was, I don't know, I must have been 13, maybe 14, he came home from the video store because back then they were video stores and that was the only way you watched a movie. Uh, and he had a copy of This Is Spinal Tap. And um, <laughs> and I know that you worked with Harry Shearer and, and I think you worked with Harry Shearer before Spinal Tap came out. And so I'm wondering if while you were working with him, if he happened to bring up, hey, I'm working on this really you know, crazy rockumentary, you know, faux documentary called Spinal Tap and explained it. Did that ever come up? Oh, that's great. Uh, that project that I worked, I actually, uh, I worked with two times with, well, he directed me in something. He, he hired me after I'd worked with him on this. I, I did a play called Beyond Therapy with Harry. Oh, cool. And, uh, and, uh, and it was like really one of my favorite experiences when I lived in Los Angeles because the play was a hit and everybody in town came to see it. And I did like a hundred performances of it, and uh, and it was just great fun. And Harry was a hoot. Harry, oh my god! Um, he, I can't. Re I, I think he had already shot Spinal Tap, but it hadn't come out yet. Okay. Um, I think that's right. But um, he also had. I don't know if you've ever heard his. Um, he he may still have it. I don't even know. He had a radio show called Les Show. I know. And, uh, Oh my God, it, it was so fun. Here, here's a perfect, and I remember this to this day. This is a long time ago that I did that play with him. And uh, I remember he had told, he told me I, I had this radio show, blah, blah, blah. So I, I tuned in and I listened to it. And there was this moment where you hear, where you hear this, it, it, he was doing like all the voices and he was doing Reagan, he was doing Nancy Reagan. And then he was doing one of Reagan's you know, minions, one of his guys, assistants, whatever. Yeah. And the guy comes to the door and knocks on the door and you hear, you know, you hear this, you hear, you hear him do Ron Ray. He's like, yeah, how you doing? And he's, and then you hear the sound. Vroom, vroom. It sounds like a chainsaw starting up. <laughs> and the guy goes, what's that? And he goes, oh, that's just Nancy. She's trimming off a little dead skin. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, that sounds like his kind of humor. Oh my God. Yeah. He was very funny. And Harry also back then, I don't know now, but back then was, was a bit of a chocoholic. He loved really, really, really good 
chocolate. Oh. And he would come. He would come to 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 do the show. Uh, he'd always have some chocolate. And David Clennon, another actor who's done tons of movies and TV, was in the show. And Linda Pearl and uh, a woman, uh, Carol Morley, and Bob Picardo played the lead. Um, it was a wonderful cast, super talented people. I was very, very lucky and to, to be in with that group. No, that's a, so cool. I was a young actor who lucked out on that. So speaking of chocolate, uh, people being chocoholics and what have you, so you you obviously, you know, you, you take good care of yourself. You, you've never been a smoker. You know, you're, you're physically active, all that stuff. But but everybody has vices, even if the vices are, you know, a piece of chocolate or a soda now and then. So if you were going to have a Mount Rushmore of vices, and it could be anything. It could be something as simple as staying up late or anything else. What would be your Mount Rushmore of vices? So how many guys are on Mount Rushmore? Uh, four of them. There's four. <laughs> I do. I love dark chocolate. I do. I don't eat tons of it, but I'll... I, I, I mean, I eat it regularly, but just not in huge quantities in right. sitting. You know? yeah. I'll have a wedge here, a wedge there, and uh, I really, and I never used to, I was never really into chocolate that much, but as I've gotten older, I've really come to appreciate dark chocolate. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? I, I, I enjoy Guinness. Sure. Uh, Guinness is a, a good option. Yeah. Um, uh, let me see. Um, I love to watch movies. I'll stay up late watching movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's a pretty benign vice, but uh, hey, there it, it's all relative, right? Right, right. Um, that's pretty pretty boring. Otherwise, and, and, and I'm kind of an obsessive writer. I, I do I do like to be at the desk writing, but there that's you go. not really vice like. Well, again, it's all well if, if writing at a certain time takes you away from something else that maybe you quote unquote should be doing, well, then it's a vice. Right. So, you know, right. anything can be a vice if applied properly. So uh, I, I, like, I like that answer. All right. Um, what was Helen Hunt like? Uh, Helen was great. I got to work with her a couple times. Um, the very first episode of a, of a TV show, the first guest star episode of the TV show I did was with her on, on a show called Takes Two. Yep. And uh, after that, I did a little independent movie called Waiting to Act that a guy named John Putch directed, who went, on, who went on to become a good friend of mine. And uh, Helen was, Helen is a, Helen has done tons of work since she was a little young girl. And she is just a pro, just an absolute pro. Yeah. And uh, she, it was great fun working with her. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, when I did that episode of It Takes Two, Richard Crenna played her father, and Tony Edwards, uh, who went on to ER fame, played her brother, and he and I were good friends in the show. Oh, that's cool. And uh, and everybody, and, and Patty Duke played the mother, and everybody couldn't have been nicer uh, on that show. They were very generous with me and kind to me. Patty Duke, I got to tell you, I used to, I, <laughs> odd little side story, I used to, even though I shouldn't have, me and my friends in high school were obsessed with the Patty Duke show, the one where she played, I think she played twins or identical right, right. something. And I don't know why, but it was just like so foreign and yet so kind of clunky for the time, but it was still 
there was an there was an appeal to it. There was a quality about sure. the show that just made us keep watching for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. So we had two questions left. Second to last question. Uh, this is a little bit. This is kind of the same as the TV show that you like now, but this is more in a uh, a broader sense. You know, of all the movies that you've ever seen, and this is a, it's a very tough question, probably impossible. But uh, what movie has been the most impressive for you, as someone who's been on, you know, both sides of of the camera? Uh, you've been involved in a lot of projects. When you watch a movie and think, "Wow, that was really well put together," it doesn't have to be the most artistic or the most funny or the most anything, but just something that made the biggest impression on you as an artist. Um, I remember when I saw. What is the word, or what is the title? Um, the DiCaprio film where he's out in the wilderness. Uh, the Reverence, or The Reverence. The Reverence. Uh, yeah. Revenant? Wait, what was it? The Rev. Yeah, maybe it was Revenant. That movie. I yeah. saw that movie, and I said, this movie is going to win Academy Awards. It was just so, it was so powerful and so well done. So well done. Yeah, that um, guy's amazing. And then from a nostalgic point of view, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Uh, I always loved that movie. Yeah. I always liked Redford's work. I like what Redford did with his career. I thought he was he, he was a very smart guy who did really smart things with his career. Yeah. Um, and uh, the guy who the guy who directed me in that play that I talked about that I did with Harry Shear. Mm-hmm. Um, he. Uh, he had been in Jeremiah Johnson, and so when I was working on the play, he, he you know he shared stories about Redford, and he said that Redford was a guy who, re- and this is this is what smart people do, you know, smart people don't have to be the guys who are always in charge. Redford would surround himself with people, and he would ask people questions and get ideas from people, and it wasn't always you know his way or the highway. I don't know, maybe it was, like, but that's not what the guy's name was. Paul Benedict, hmm. who he's a Boston guy. He's from from this area, super nice guy. He had been a, a actor. He was on uh, um, the Jeffersons way back in the day. Oh yeah, sure. Moving on he, up. He, yeah, he was like that that big, strong jawed neighbor. That, that's Paul Benedict. Okay. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he 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 he, uh, he just said that Redford was a guy who loved to pick people's brains about ideas, and uh, and that's you know. He, he ran with it, did a lot with his career. That's cool. Yeah. Um, the back to the Revenant for a minute. The, we when I first watched that movie, the very first, one of the very first scenes is when they get spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. I'm going to ruin the beginning of it. They get attacked by Indians, and there's just arrows flying everywhere and hitting everybody nice. and everything. And and I've you know look, I've seen a lot of movies and I've seen a lot of violence in movies, but I've never felt so like in like I almost felt like I was in that camp getting attacked by Indians. It was really yeah, incredible was. filmmaking. It was just like, holy shit. And then it makes you feel like how horrifying and terrifying it must have been to be in that position where you can't see anybody, you can't see anything, and all these arrows are just coming in and just taking people out. It was wild. It was like it was like the beach scene in uh, uh, the, the... Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just the brutality of those of those times when, you know, uh, 
it was you know hand-to-hand combat knives and bows and arrows and yeah, yeah. rifles too but it was uh, it was brutal yeah brutal, brutal life absolutely we're living in some cushy we're living in some cushy times right now you got that right There's not, no not everybody uh is so is so fortunate but in terms of ease of life boy we're pretty lucky these days. Uh, amen. I, I, I hear you on that one. Okay, uh, final question. What is next for the Newburyport Actors Studio? Um, well, we are, I'm actually on the board there. Okay. Uh, uh, I'm a board member there. And so we are, we're looking for a new space, a little bit bigger space than, than what we were in before. So mm-hmm. uh, we're hoping to make that happen. That's certainly a big thing on our agenda. And just continuing to do the uh, the good work. We have a big uh, thing coming up now, Women's History Month, which has always been a big part of our programming. Um, that's coming up uh, in March. And, oh, that's and cool. And there's a lot of events. Go to the website, Actor Studio Newburyport website, for uh, a list of the events and the um, what's going on with Women's History Month. Um, and, yeah, just continuing to offer uh, classes and experiences and keep people uh creatively charged during these uh these not easy days yeah it's it's difficult for a lot of people yeah no it is and again i've said it before and I'll, i'll say it again it's definitely made at least for me personally uh it's made it a lot easier to deal with just having this uh you know, this little respite from everything else that happens, you know, for those two hours, you kind of forget about it. So for anybody looking for something to do, I highly recommend uh, the Newburyport Actors Studio as a place to, you know, explore your creativity, um, you know, explore what what you might find if you start studying with someone like Charlie. It's been a lot of fun for me. And um, again, I highly recommend it. Charlie, thank you so much again for being on the show. I really do appreciate your time. Oh, absolutely, Ethan. Thank you very much. I appreciate the kind things you said. Um, And uh, good questions. Good questions. I appreciate that. All right. Have a great night. Thank you so much, everybody. Take care. See ya. Bye, Charlie.